Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. Once again, that church, I love you and I desperately need you. Every week when we gather together like this and we sing these truths together, I cannot see life without doing this with you. And so it's a joy for me to be able to come now and open up God's word with you one more time. And so I invite you to turn once again to the book of Galatians. We are continuing our study of this wonderful epistle that Paul wrote to the churches in southern Galatia. And we are focusing on chapter 4, and we will read from verse 8, and the emphasis for our text today will be on verses 12 to 16. Galatians 4, verses 12 to 16, but let's read together from verse 8. Paul writes, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you. My little children... For whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone. For I am perplexed about you. One of my favorite desserts, and we talked about this a little bit at GC this week. One of my favorite desserts, as you can see on screen, is trifle. Right? And more specifically... My grandmother's version of trifle. Now, if you don't know what trifle is, it's this multi-layered dessert full of cake and cream and fruit and jelly and custard. I mean, what's not to love, right? And one of the reasons I love her version so much is because she just gets the balance right between all these ingredients. 
And I've eaten her trifle and walked, I've eaten her trifle and I've never walked away disappointed. Never been disappointed. Actually, once I start eating, I, it's like I can't get enough of it. It's almost like you have to tear me away from all this goodness. Otherwise, I'm going to eat all of it. Sometimes I'll eat so much that I will feel like I'm going to explode. But honestly, no regrets. I think it's worth it. And I'll just keep going back for more and more and more. Now, of course, I have had many other trifles in my life, some being very good versions as well. But it's not quite her version. Some of those other versions were too different, and they just don't compare to the love I taste from my grandmother's version. And of course, because I love my grandmother, she automatically has an advantage of what I like. So just realize, if you invite me to your house, you're going to serve me trifle. In the back of my mind, I've got a pretty high standard of what I I want trifle to be like. Because this thing is, every time I eat my grandmother's trifle, I have joy. It brings me joy. It never gets old for me. It never stops bringing me real joy. For some people, when they had our day, they dive into a bowl of ice cream, right? That's what we see in the movies, but for, to bring them joy. But if you ask me, let's just dive into my grandmother's trifle. Now, the gospel. The gospel of the freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ is the same for the believer. It's this multi-layered truth that continues to bring us joy as we consider how loved we are by God, how forgiven we are by God, how secure we are in God, all because of what someone else did in our place. But for some people, their journey with Jesus started off with finding real joy in the gospel of grace, but then over time, it's like they get so used to the taste of it that it doesn't bring them that same joy anymore. And they start to try other versions, you could say, which they think will bring them that joy again, but it doesn't. It's like the joy you see in someone who just became a believer, and you you hear the testimony, you see the joy they have in life, and how infectious that joy is to everyone around them, reaching out to others, trying to get them to be part of the kingdom of God. Clearly loving God's truth and wanting more of it. But then over time, as they continue to struggle with the flesh and with the idols who are fighting for first place in their hearts, they don't have that same joy anymore. And they start to neglect what gave them this supernatural joy in the first place. In other words... They stop having the truth of the gospel and the ministry of God's word influence their lives. The very truth that initially showed them how beautiful Jesus is and how beautiful and important that truth is and how close we should stay to that truth. We know that Paul has been a great theologian and defender of the faith in this letter to the Galatians. But in the passage before us today, we see he's just, like, he's just an ordinary man with a heavy heart, a confused shepherd and a passionate lover of souls. 
He was busy pouring out his heart towards these people who are neglecting the truth they once embraced and loved. And as a result, it's impacting their relationship. It's impacting their friendship. But once they were willing to do anything for Paul, they now started to see him as the enemy. Which is basically seeing God's word as the enemy in your life. Because the Galatians are wanting to live like slaves again, who want to satisfy their master, rather than sons who want to please their heavenly father. And being afraid and concerned that his labor toward them might perhaps be in vain, Paul pours out his heart to the Galatians. He wants them to see that their relationship with him should actually give them clarity about the truth. They came to know, love and enjoy, and to what extent they are in fact busy going backward. Last week we saw that to help the backward moving Christian move forward again, we need to help them consider whether their lives are starting to look the same as it did before they came to know God as their father. Whether they really understand that it's not about how much you know about God, but that God knows you. And because He is the one that knows His own, we can live freely in the comfort of His love and attention. That even in those times when it feels like we don't desire Him, we know He still desires us. Helping these backward-moving people see the extent of the spiritual investment that God has already made in their lives. But now in our text today, Paul wants to make this appeal to the Galatians to consider what their attitude is toward the truth that they first came to enjoy and believe, and we're willing to sacrifice for, and as a result, their attitude toward Him. He is getting more and more personal. And He's showing us that even when we need to have the hard conversations in, in the family church context, we need to be bold for the truth, yes, but we also need to be gentle. Gentle. Paul wants the Galatians to see that a true son or daughter of God is someone that knows the freedom of God's grace, but is also someone that enjoys the ministry of God's Word in their lives. That's the word for today, enjoy. Someone that enjoys the ministry of God's Word in their lives. In other words, a child of God who wants to move forward in the Christian life is someone that finds joy in his father's instructions. They love the truth of free grace and want that joy-producing truth to be part of their lives at all costs. Because that what was true of the Galatians. When Paul first planted these churches in southern Galatia, they were people who loved the gospel of free grace because this was a truth that really gave them genuine Christian joy. And because they heard this truth from Paul, they loved him in a special way as well. God had given them a special bond and friendship because they enjoyed the truth and ministry of the word together. And so I want us to see from our text today that a Christian is someone that enjoys the Word of God. A Christian is someone that enjoys the Word of God, who sees it as beautiful 
and valuable, willing to do extreme things because of it, and wants to hear it even when it's hard to hear. Because a Christian who enjoys the Word of God, first we'll see, we'll see both the truth and its messenger is beautiful. That's verses 12 to 14. Secondly, we'll see the sacrifice for the truth as real joy. Verse 15. And a Christian who enjoys the Word of God, thirdly, will see the truth as a friend and not the enemy. Verse 16. So one of the things that stands out in these passages before us today is how someone's love and affection for the truth and for those whom you have a spiritual connection with can be stolen by the lies of false religion. As soon as the ministry of the word is starting to diminish in your life, it's going to become evident in your relationships with other people. Because you will start to see the, the lies of the world as being more beautiful than the truth. But, but a Christian that enjoys the truth of the gospel, firstly, will see both the truth and its messenger as beautiful. Verses 12 to 14, let's read this again. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am. For I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. Now when thinking about his relationship with the Galatians on a personal level, Paul here in verse 12 actually gives the first direct imperative or commandment of the letter. It's been all theology up until this point for most of the letter. But now he's giving a more direct command. He's pleading with them. He says, brothers, I entreat you. Which is like saying, brothers, who, whom I still very much affectionate for, I'm on my knees here. I'm begging you. I want you to become, that's the command, I want you to become like me because I became like you. Paul is calling on the Galatians to imitate him and become like him in the sense that he was someone that gave up his Jewish law-driven life and religion to find life and true joy in the freedom from the law. Because remember, Paul was a Jewish man who went into the Galatian Gentile context who had put aside his Jewish customs to show them that salvation was not dependent on any of these things. So just think about the environment there was for Paul where all this was happening. There was this cultural pressure from all sides, which we know insisted that there's only one way of doing the Christian life, and that is by being Jewish. So this could not have been easy for Paul, being a Jew himself. Preaching to the Gentiles, which means he will be rejected by the Jewish community. But because he was so in love with the gospel, and the truth, enjoying all its layers together. He knew he had to trust God even when it would be hard. He wanted the Galatians to do the same, to trust God even when life would be hard for them. Because he says, because, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. He says, look at our connection here. 
I became just like you and that like anyone else, I am someone who totally needs Jesus. Which is basically Paul saying, don't become what I used to be, become what I am now. Someone that enjoys the truth of God's Word. Because it's the real truth that helps us to keep going forward in hard times. I mean, Paul said something similar to the Philippians, didn't he? Philippians 3.7 But whatever gain I had, so thinking about his Jewish background here, whatever gain I had, I counted a loss for the sake of Christ. And he's emotional here. He's charged up and he's pleading with them. And then he works in this comment, You did me no wrong. You did me no wrong. Which is Paul going back to the first time he was preaching the gospel to them in Galatia. He was wanting them to think back to that time they heard the truth of justification by faith for the first time. Which is like him saying, back then when I preached this truth to you, you treated me so well. There was this warmth from you. Acceptance from you. Why? Because the Galatians also loved and enjoyed the truth of freedom. They were also willing to be rejected by society for the sake of this truth. Because all they could see when they heard the truth of the, for the first time is that it's so beautiful. This truth of freedom is so beautiful. And that's why he says here in verses 13 and 14, You know that it was because of a, a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. Paul's here helping them see that God was working through his physical suffering. You see this? His physical suffering, so they can hear and enjoy the truth of the gospel of freedom. In other words, somehow, this physical suffering led him to be in the region of Galatia, where he then preached the gospel to them. Now, we don't have the exact details from Acts, but we know he was in this area of southern Galatia. Now, there are many different theories here about what exactly this bodily ailment could be that Paul had. I mean, I could list you all the options, but that's not really the main issue. What matters is that God used his physical suffering to bring Paul and the gospel of grace to the Gentiles, to the Galatians. But then in verse 13, verse 14, Paul says that this physical problem he had was like a trial to them. It was hard for them to see. Because whatever this illness was, it was something ugly. A real trial for them. It was something that would have been stomach turning if you saw it. And it had all the potential to make the Galatians actually reject Paul. And be put off by him and his appearance because it was so disturbing. In fact, in the ancient Greek culture of that time, if someone was walking around with a disease or a bodily disfiguration, the assumption was that this person was in trouble with the gods, right? Under some kind of demonic influence. But how did the Galatians treat Paul? Because of the truth they heard from him. You did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God. As Christ Jesus. The word despise here can be translated to spit on. Here's this guy 
that looks like he's dying and he's suffering in this, this disturbing, ugly kind of way. And the temptation would be to reject him and actually spit on him and get away from him. But what did they do instead? They received him as this beautiful angel of God. Instead of treating him like he had a demon, they treated him like he was an angel. In fact, Paul says, they gave him the same kind of reception as they would have given who? Jesus. But the question is why? Why? It's because they were so in love with the message that they saw the man in this this dreadful state as being beautiful. Because once you are captivated by the real truth of the gospel, it changes the way you look at everything, right? It gives you a new kind of affection for God's Word and for those who help you understand God's Word. Those people who keep pointing you back to that truth. But it also shows us that Christians welcome God's Word into their lives. They want it to be there. They want the Word of God to be in their lives because it's the same as welcoming Jesus into every area of your life. It's this beautiful, joy-producing truth about total forgiveness, about acceptance, about how God the Father can use ugly suffering of His Son to make the gospel beautiful. We think of the prophet Isaiah. He said something similar. So many years before Paul, Isaiah 53.2, For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no form of majesty that we should look at him. No beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And as one whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. It's the truth about the cross that we can know and trust that God can use your suffering for the good of others, because God used the suffering of His Son for the good of others. Think of the truth that causes you to think like the psalmist, Psalm 119, verses 141. It says, I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Which is basically saying, I am nothing, therefore I don't forget your word, God. It's the kind of truth that we just keep going back to for more and more and more. Like this, this, this wonderful dessert on a menu. The kind of truth that never tastes the same like any other corrupted version. The kind of truth that makes life beautiful even when it's so dark and ugly. You see, Paul's relationship with the Galatians also shows us that it was centered on the truth of the gospel and not what he was like or what he looked like, right? Every Christian, whether he's in leadership or not, must be faithful to the truth. And even in the church context, it's not, it's not about our personalities, about our appearance. It's all about handling God's Word with accuracy and being faithful to the truth. That is part of what makes the gospel beautiful and enjoyed, no matter where you are. 
I think you would know what I'm talking about. If you hear a biblical sermon or some kind of gospel truth or a personal testimony, it warms your heart, it brings you joy, and you welcome that message into your life because it's like welcoming Jesus into your life. And so the sons and daughters of God, the Christian is someone that will see the truth and its messenger as beautiful, no matter what the circumstances are in your life. But because they see it as so beautiful, it makes them radical. It makes them radical. Which means a Christian is someone that will see the sacrifice for the truth as a real joy. This is verse 15. We'll see the sacrifice for the truth as a real joy. Because look at this. Paul says, What then has become of your blessedness? This is like asking, What has become of of your happiness. See the world, the, the, the word blessedness is translated happiness here because in light of their initial gospel experience and response, Paul is now asking the Galatians, what happened to that moment when you were dancing for joy because you realized your sins are forgiven and you don't want to be, become a Jew. You don't have to become a Jew. Which would be a similar kind of question we would ask anyone who looks like they're neglecting the ministry of the Word of God in their lives and are lacking in real Christian joy. Who are starting to distancing themselves from the truth and from friendships, gospel friendships in the church. Have you ever had to ask someone that? What's happened to your joy? Because look at what the ministry of the Word does in someone's life. Paul says, for I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Now think about this. Paul is saying that he vividly remembers the joy the Galatians once had. And now think about this. They were willing to do what at their happiest moment here? In their highest moment of joy, what were they willing to do? They were willing to pluck out their own eyes and give them to Paul. That's a little bit different than saying, Pastor, thank you for the message, right? At their happiest moment, they were willing to suffer in extreme ways. They see this man who brought them the life-giving, joy-producing gospel of freedom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they receive him like they would receive Jesus Christ. This message that says you don't have to earn God's love. You don't have to try and get in his good books. You don't have to work extra hard because you're not a Jew. And that joy produced in them a willingness to suffer physically to help someone they loved. All because of the gospel. Now let's say this disturbing illness that Paul struggled with had something to do with his eyes. Many scholars think it actually had to do with his eyes. This is a potential option. You see the love the Galatians had for Paul, though. Because they were willing to become eyeball donors to help him. This radical, sacrificial attitude can only be explained by the power of the joy produced by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you love God's truth, you are willing to do whatever it takes to have it in your life and also have it in the lives of others. I'm sure all of us won't think that it's a very happy moment for anyone 
to hack out their eyes and become blind. That doesn't sound like a happy moment, does it? But of course, Paul's talking in sort of picture language here to make a point. Because Paul is saying, this is what the real truth of gospel joy does. This is what believers do, are willing to do, who stay close to the Word of God. Because you can see the beauty of the gospel, and they see it in all of the areas of their lives, with, and they see life with gospel clarity. Then you embrace the love you've received in Jesus, and you want to extend that love toward others. And all that sacrifice actually makes you a joyful Christian. So the question is, what has happened to your joy? Is that the kind of joy you have because of the gospel? Do you still have this gospel-rooted joy in your life? Is the ministry of God's Word important in your life? And are you willing to make great sacrifices because it's in your life? Do you find joy in sacrificing for the truth? Always coming to church and memorizing the Bible and reading the Bible and praying the Bible becomes such a burden to you that you're not just interested in any of it anymore. It feels too much. You see, being willing to pluck out their eyes as a, was a real sign of friendship and gratitude between Paul and the Galatians. Because it's not so much that they wanted to do it just for Paul. They were willing to do it for Jesus. But when the truth of the gospel is neglected, people start ignoring the the Bible in their lives, then instead of seeing the truth as a friend, you start seeing it as an enemy. Because a Christian will see both the truth and his messenger as beautiful. They will see sacrificing for the truth as a real joy. And now finally, a Christian that enjoys God's word will see the truth as a friend and not the enemy. Verse 16. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Can you see what happens relationally when someone does not stay close to the truth and they start to neglect the ministry of God's word in their lives? If someone is turning from the gospel, don't be surprised if they want to turn against you as well. Paul is saying it's like there's this 180 degree change in their relationship with one another. Because look at it. In one moment, they're willing to rip out their eyes for their beloved evangelist, pastor, and friend. But now they start seeing him as the enemy. And what's causing them to potentially feel this way about Paul? It's because he's pointing them back to the truth again and again and again and again. The very basis of their friendship and relationship was the truth of free grace. But if you mess with that truth, then that very same truth gave them the reason to start seeing him as the enemy. Becoming hostile towards him. And maybe you've seen that in your own life. When you're trying to help someone see that they are staying, straying from the truth and not staying close to God's word and they're rather staying close to their own idols, that they start seeing you more as the enemy than as a friend, right? They get angry. 
They get defensive. They start to criticize you for what you do. They start to criticize the church and what the church does. When all you're trying to do is help them enjoy the truth they once said they believed. You see, the thing with Paul is he didn't care what they would think about him. He was not worried about his own reputation or whether the members of the church would like him or not. He was only interested in the truth and he was willing to say what is necessary instead of just telling them what they simply wanted to hear. Which means, church, we need God's help to hear the truth when we don't want to hear it. We need God's help to hear the truth when we don't want to hear it. We need to see the truth as a friend and not the enemy. And those who point us to that truth as a friend and not the enemy. And perhaps you're trying to point people to that truth and you might get discouraged because it seems like they don't want to listen and they don't understand. Well, Jesus would simply tell you, well, join the club. Join the club. Because Jesus had a lot of experience with this kind of attitude toward him and toward the truth. Being treated like the enemy. John chapter 8. Jesus is talking with these religious people we know who thought they knew God and claimed they loved God and claimed that God was their father. But then Jesus says to them, John 8.42, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I come not on my own accord, but you, He sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? And then He gives the answer. It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You cannot bear to hear my truth. You see, there are going to be people you talk with who cannot bear to hear the truth because they don't like the truth. They don't have real joy because they don't have the truth and they don't understand the truth. That's why Jesus also said in Matthew 10.40, talking to the disciples and his soon-to-be missionaries, whoever receives you, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. Paul knew that by persisting in the truth, even if he was now going to be treated like the enemy, was so important because of who he represented. He knows that real joy is found in Jesus and the one who sent him. And his idea of the gospel wasn't to have people appreciate him and just do whatever he wanted them to do. He's showing us that real love he had for the truth, and because of the love he had for the truth, he had a real love for people. A real love for people. He's not saying that, hey, you know what, Galatians, I gave it a shot with you. I tried and tried to convince you, but you are now getting angry with me. I'm just going to move on. Let's rather keep focusing on the Christians who want to move forward. What we see from Paul here is what a real friend does. He persists for the sake of the truth. Because it's all about the truth. Paul's gospel made him love people even when they rejected him. Because that is what the gospel of Jesus does. 
And he is the example of someone who really knows the truth, enjoys the truth, loves the truth, is willing to be radical for the truth, and who is willing to be that friend even when he is seen as the enemy. Now some of the things I've noticed over the last decade in ministry is that on the one hand you might have people who love the truth, but they don't really love people. Where people are more like numbers and projects. And then on the other hand, you have people who love being with people, but they're not so much interested when you show them the truth. They want all the friendships, but they see the truth that invades their idols as the enemy. You see, the true child of God wants to hear the truth, even if it's hard to hear. It wants people in their lives that are willing to point them to that truth because they know that ultimately real joy is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So how about you? How about you? Do you still find joy in the gospel and in the ministry of God's word? Is that a priority in your life? What we see here between Paul and the Galatians is that there is a real bond that can overcome the challenges of communication when Christians find their joy in the same gospel together. It shows us that God can use difficult situations for the good of others. He did that with Paul for the good of the Galatians. And no small event or moment is wasted by God. Your suffering could be for the good of someone else. It also shows us that to keep on enjoying Jesus in your life, you must actually welcome His Word into your life. Because if you don't, you might end up in the same positions as the Galatians did going back to your own efforts, losing your joy, and vulnerable to the attacks of the false gospel. And we recognize that no church is perfect. No church is perfect. No group of elders or pastors are perfect. But a biblical church that exalts Jesus and His gospel of grace is to be seen as beautiful because the gospel is beautiful, because Jesus is beautiful. Now this is actually a very convicting passage for me personally. It's a challenge to my heart to gently persevere with people who are busy neglecting the truth of God in their lives. To love them like Paul loves the Galatians. To love them like Christ loves them. To help them stay close to the truth of God's Word and enjoy it every day of their lives. May God help us to keep finding real joy in the gospel so that we can be that friend that is willing to pluck out our eyes for Jesus, for the good of others. Because we have so much joy in the gospel ourselves. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this truth, this reminder again today that real joy is only found in your word. Real joy is found when we look at Jesus Christ nailed to a cross. This ugly, marred, disfigured man hanging on the cross, brutally beaten for our sin. 
And even as we look at such a tragic moment, we see the beauty of grace. We see love that flows for sinners like us. And so, Father, help us to stay captivated by that truth. Help us to see the ministry of Your Word as a number one priority in our lives. Help us to be the kind of people that are willing to sacrifice because of that truth. That is willing to love other people so much that we would rip out our eyeballs. Willing to become blind. All because we can see. Because you allow us to see through your Spirit. Father, there are so many things that want our joy in this world, that are false, that are empty and worthless as we've seen. Help us to come back again and again to your truth and and never get enough of it. Help us to keep enjoying it and help us to pursue others who are drifting from it so that they can enjoy it again as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Oh,